Thank you. Hello, friends and strangers. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Oh my god, this is really exciting because the person who made the art for this book is here. I'm going to just embarrass you a lot. Amanda Verway. I'm so psyched that you're here. Um, Thanks for coming to listen to me talk about tarot. Uh, I made this book because um, because my agent asked me to, but also <laughs> because I've been reading tarot cards since I was 15, and I'm very old now. And that's, so I've been reading it for a really long time and um, have my opinions about it and my take on it and um, have always thought it would be really fun to be able to put a book together about you know what I think about it all. So what I'm going to do is just read part of the introduction, and then I actually have my tarot cards, and I can do a tiny amount of one-card readings. Um, just one card, you guys. Don't push it, okay? Um, and I can ju- I'll just read. You'll, get the one- you'll pick one card. I'll read from the book, you know, what I had to say about it, and, uh, and that's all. All right. So here's part from the introduction where I'm just kind of explaining the tarot. Probably a lot of you guys already know this, but we'll see. Um, The tarot is divided into three sections. The major arcana, the minor arcana, and the court cards, which are technically part of the minor arcana, but which I treat here as their own section. There are many, many different kinds of tarot cards available. For this book, I've chosen to work with the Rider Waite. It was my first book, and for me, it was the Ur tarot that most other decks start from. The cards in this deck will be numbered in accordance with that particular system. I also talk about the symbology unique to the Rider Waite design, many of which details are shown in Amanda Verway's illustrations. So, Amanda, I'm going to make you talk later. I'll just bring you up in a minute, in a little minute. Um, Okay, the major arcana are a procession of archetypes beginning with the inquisitive, risk-taking fool and ending with the triumph of the world. In between are a lifetime's worth of up and downs, from the positive power unleashed by the magician to the wild inspiration of the star to the nerve-wracking judgment when you are called to answer for how you chose to spend your time. Often referred to as the fool's journey, each of the major arcana cards lead into the next, a succession of life lessons grandly illustrated. When a major arcana comes up for you, usually something especially significant is at play in your life for better or worse. The minor arcana, which look more or less like very dramatic playing cards, track less grand movements. The minor arcana is divided into four suits, wands, cups, swords, and pentacles. Each suit contains ten chronologically ordered cards, which tell their own story, a rise, a fall, a resolution. Though the energy fluctuates, the knowledge increases throughout the cycle. Each suit begins with the ace, which is the pure essence of the suit itself. Aces are all inspiration. They contain pure possibility. They hold the energy of every other card inside them, highs and lows, but they're ultimately positive as they indicate a hope, a dream, an intention, a pursuit of meaning and truth and pleasure. Twos are likewise fairly positive, though they can be unsettling. They represent the first real effort toward chasing down your dream. Three provide a bit of welcome stability, a grounding, and fours more so, though with fours we see a bit of plateauing energy, maybe some laziness or confusion, a foreboding of problems to come. Fives just suck. In the Kabbalah, five represents the sphere of war, and fives are full of conflict and strife. Sorry about that. Kindly, sixes represent the sphere of beauty and proclaim happy times and much success. Sevens bring some hardship, but on the heels of your awesome six, you are more equipped to deal with it, and so the challenge is embraced, and there can even be enjoyment in doing the work it represents. Eights pull back from the brute action of the journey and ask us to look critically at where we've come from, making changes as needed. It's a brainy, rational number. With the nine, we are nearly at the end of the psycho... psycho the psycho 
<laughs> Never at the end of the cycle. So some big payoff or disaster, if the cycle is a negative one, is at hand, but it's not the end of the story. There is still a sense of anticipation, even nervousness. Tens are the resolution, but they are not the big happy whiz-bang party card you might expect. Because the tarot is a glyph of life itself, and life is about action always, the pride and happiness of a ten is tempered by a tinge of boredom, of what nowishness. Because as one cycle ends, another is beginning, and the suit is ready to tip back into the ace and start the whole thing over again. This is sometimes a big relief. The Ten of Swords, for instance, looks like the worst card in the deck, but it holds the considerable silver lining of this lousy moment finally being over. They also contain four court cards, a king, a queen, a knight, and page. These individuals embody the energy of their suit, each focusing on a slightly different aspect. Pages are the students of the suit, suggestive of a person who has yet to master its special powers, but who is earnestly engaged in figuring it all out. Knights are super action-oriented, ready to go on the double, like yesterday. Queens are self-assured and generous, a bit interior, strong and meditative. Kings are likewise so, but more extroverted and action-oriented. These gendered archetypes are more than a bit archaic, and many modern tarot decks mess with them in helpful and illuminating manners. Since this book is using the old-fashioned Rider-Waite deck as its model, let us just remember that any gender can be a king and any a queen, and likewise for knights and pages. Court cards may also represent situations, not people. Each suit has its own flavor and concerns a particular aspect of life. The swords are brainy, mental, quick, tactless, painful, and are ruled by the element air. They're like that brilliant professor you had in grad school, the very one you hoped to be critiqued by, who stepped into your studio wearing an impeccable avant-garde outfit only they could carry off and proceeded to rip your work to shreds. The worst part, they were right. Swords are the cool, harsh energy of rational thought. Lacking the merciful influence of emotions, swords are like Spock. They have their own truth and value, but they're only one part of the whole. We also have the suit of clubs or wands, ruled by fire. They are fiery and impulsive, passionate and headstrong, playful and romantic. This suit is every Casanova of every gender who ever swept anyone off their feet. They're every startup pitch that resulted in a shit ton of capital being injected into a garage somewhere in Silicon Valley. They're pure inspired energy, the kind you feel in your gut. Of course, such intensity can burn itself out, not to mention burn up it touch it, those it touches. It can run from project to project or romance to romance with fickle swiftness. The wands are a rollicking good time, but nothing but wands can leave you hungover. It's a good thing we've got the stabilizing, sensible energy of the discs or pentacles, ruled by Earth. This suit has its feet on the ground. That's the whole point of it. No flights of fancy to be found here, unless it's a moderately fancy, functional abode, as this suit represents the home and does enjoy the accumulation of capital that makes the good life possible. When the swords might conjure up a fantastic idea and wands summon the charisma to sell it, it's the hardworking, if sometimes dull, pentacles that understand the real-world effort that must often be put to, ma- put to work to make anything happen. A book, a baby, a company, a relationship. Of course, though, the pentacles represent the posh heights of material success. They also depict what happens when I's go undotted and T's uncrossed. The suit contains the energy of failure and flat-out broken- brokenness, as well as any and all future dream houses and sur- signing bonuses. If the energy of pentacles has gone a bit materialistic for your liking, let me introduce you to the final suit, the cups, which represents the realm of emotions and is ruled by the element water. Here we see how you weep after your professor has hurt your feelings, and how your heart swells when that player plants their first kiss on you, the joy you feel when you move in with your sweetie, and the despair you feel when it ends. The cups are all emotional energy, both uncontrolled emotion and emotion you have a grip on, crying jags and meltdowns, glee and hope, and unconditional love. Taken together, the four suits encompass the variety 
of energies present in pretty much every human experience, anger and grief, wonder and innocence, disillusionment, excitement, everything. The court cards, as mentioned above, can represent people or situations, and sometimes they represent you, yourself the seeker, not resent you, represent you. Okay. Because the Rider Waite deck is my first deck, and to me the standard from which all other decks deviate, it's the one I chose to work with in this book. In recording my interpretation of the cards, I've tried to balance my respect and love for the tradition with my own need to deviate. For instance, bringing a card like Justice up to date with my own complicated, more contemporary take on the concept. My own biases are clear. I want to make some space within the tarot for feminist concepts and for non-binary bodies and personalities. This balance is perfectly captured by the artist Amanda Verway, whose playful rendition of the Rider weight deck is intensely contemporary while staying true to the basic mood and symbolism behind each card. This is so good. The tarot sees gender as a hard and fast binary with the female and feminine standing in for one cliched way of being and the heroic male taking the other. I do believe in masculine and feminine energies. I believe most people have a swirl of each with one perhaps more dominant than the other. But any individual at any time can call upon the energies to help them negotiate a moment. And throughout the book when I say masculine or feminine I am imagining those labels worn by any and all genders. I'd also like to say something about my ubiquitous use of the word energy. It's hard to talk about tarot without my public editor was like, can you write something about energy? And I was like, you don't understand what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to talk about tarot without talking about energy. And sometimes the word seems like a handy little catch-all to fling about when you're struggling to speak about the great unknown that the cards traffic in. So what does energy even mean then? I like to think of it as an invisible force or vibration that emanates from animate objects and energizes the inanimate. Probably any of you can recall the sour sensation of being too close to someone who woke up on the wrong side of the futon. How even something so brief as ordering a coffee off a cranky barista can set your own mood plummeting, especially if you're sensitive. What is the mechanism through which such a thing happens? You caught a whiff of that person's energy and it stank. Likewise, some people have energy that makes you feel like a whole bouquet of lilacs after an encounter with them. You've maybe even been able to feel your own bad mood leaving toxic drips across your landscape or had the sweet experience of cheering someone up with a smile. We are all trading energy all the time. It's not just people who traffic in energy. Animals do it. Trees do it. Even this cafe chair my butt is currently planted on does it. Science has documented the draining positive ions our TVs and gadgets give off, as well as the oddly refreshing negative ions spread by ocean waves and thunderstorms. This sounds like good and bad energy to me. Science is tracking of the bounces and undulations of atomic molecules that make up everything from our flesh and blood bodies to our paper and ink tarot cards furthers my belief in the vibration, the energy we can feel or learn to feel buzzing off the world around us. In this energy model of the world, everything is alive, and thus everything has the ability to help us practice magic. I believe it is this unseen, stubbornly mysterious energy that makes tarot possible. The exchange of energies between the person reading the cards, the person being read, and the cards themselves creates a little energy vortex where synergy, synchronicity, and intent coalesce and make intuitive communication possible. When everyone's energy is on point, open, healthy, aware, curious, accepting, the cards as they have flipped over seem to flow into a seamless story, the story of your life right here, right now. When there's a glitch in the energy, anything from feeling physically compromised to under the influence of a negative belief system or a tenacious bad mood, the tarot may seem uncooperative, confusing, broken. Tarot and witchery in general operate on the belief that, like a cell phone tower, we radiate energy 24-7. What pagan practices offer us is a way to engage with our own energy, and by using tools that stimulate our creativity, imagination, and intuition, consciously direct our energy for the good of ourselves and others. The tarot is one of these tools. By using myth and color, story and symbol, glyphs and patterns, the parts of our minds that are receptive to art and play are engaged. All ritual, including tarot, is just art and play for grown-ups and for kids, too.
My son has a tarot deck. <laughs> These subtler parts of ourselves are so easily overrun by rational thought and the very unmagical demands of daily life that it's like we need to trick that part of our mind into action, lure it out with beauty and intentions, just as Zen Buddhists trigger mindfulness in themselves by entering and exiting meditation spaces in deliberately fussy ways. Don't ask me how it all works. Not even scientists can explain why an atom is sometimes a wave and sometimes a particle, or why the energy of our observing it seems to have an effect. But through obs- continued observation, scientists know things, like that galaxies are swimming, spinning so swiftly that there must be sort of unseen, invisible matter out there, giving the universe extra bulk and heft. Through my three decades of observing the tarot, I can attest to something being at work. The combining of intangible energies results in a very tangible and generally uncanny tarot reading, one that illuminates the seeker's past, present, and future. It's a delicious mystery, like love and life and death. Even if it's not entirely comprehensible, it's enriching to contemplate, like a poem. Do you get it? Me neither, not entirely. Isn't it cool? Um, The concept behind this book, beyond adding my two cents about what these cards might mean for us today, is to create a new way to learn the tarot and harness its energies through a magic practice. At the end of each entry, I list one to three small, okay, some are sort of epic, spells that you can do to either bring the energy of the card into your life or get rid of it. I imagine picking perhaps a card a week to illuminate what is in your energetic sphere, and then following the instruction for one of the spells to further the vibes or banish them. Most of the ingredients for these spells are easily sourced. Many can be found right in your spice cabinet. made sure that the more unusual things are accessible online, and I also avoided prescribing crystals that are too expensive. (laughs) Regardless... Regardless, you may want to enact a spell and find yourself falling short of the ingredients. I am a casual witch. I say, use what you have and don't sweat it. Magic, like the tarot, is 100% intention. If you are working with less, send more energy. Of course, you can and will pick cards and use the book when you have a specific issue you need guidance on. And in a traditional reading, you can always look at the spell prescribed for your outcome card and do that if you like. I love doing spells. It's like spiritual crafting. I have no idea if any of it works or if it just makes me feel better, but I figure I'm no worse off than the rest of humanity with our shambling spiritual hopes and gestures. I believe your spiritual beliefs and customs should be joyful, fun, and inspiring, and the whole solo pagan mashup you see here works for me. So I'm going to stop there. Let me get my cards. Um, Gosh, I don't even know how to do this. I'm afraid of what I'm getting myself into. I apologize already to the people who will not get their cards read, because I can't read all of your cards. Um, But before I start... Amanda, do you want to say something about the art? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll just do like a mini interview right now with you. Okay. Would that be easier? Give me a reading. Give me some kind of do a thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, wait. No, but okay. I'm bad in front of the world. Amanda Verway, you guys. She's the best. She's the best. Okay. All right. You like, what's your question, man? If you don't want the world to know, you can whisper it in my ear. Okay, Jibs and I had a biz meeting. So this will be for Jibs and I. Ooh, business meeting. No, we're, give us a reading on our biz. Business meeting. All right, biz. Make this one a good one, though, Michelle. I took all the bad cards out. <laughs> I took all the bad cards out. I always take all the bad cards out. <laughs> I'm kidding. I do not take the bad cards out, you guys. Okay. If I get the tower, it's over. I mean, listen, if you get the tower, it just means you have to, like, radically reconfigure your plan. That's all that means. Okay. Before it is radically reconfigured for you. Okay, that's chill. Yeah. That's totally chill. Okay. Ace of Cups! Oh! 
a beautiful new beginning. Oh, that's emotional. It's emotional. Oh my god, I'm feeling the emotions. Hold on, because hey, like don't thank me, man. I just you know I didn't do anything except sweat it. <laughs> a little bit. Okay. The Ace of Cups is a beautiful card. Look at there's Amanda's beautiful drawing. You guys got to get this book so you can all get her her um rendition of the tarot cards tattooed on your body. They're so cool. <laughs> the Ace of Cups is a beautiful card of feelings and emotion, love and newness. It is the idyllic springtime of the tarot, a time for wonderful beginnings, the sort of beginnings that swell your spirit with inspiration and anticipation for all the additional magic soon to come from them. If the Ace of Cups has come to you, you're probably dazzled by the sheer potential of a new person, place, or thing in your life. Obviously, the Ace of Cups is a great card for romance. It denotes finding a person who will be very, very important to you in your relationship that have a bit of staying power, especially inspiring friendships and collaborative or business partnerships that can also begin under the blessing of this card. I I mean, this is so weird. I've never done a tarot reading under these circumstances before. It's very strange. Yeah, totally. If that happens, you know it was meant to be. Not all soulmates are romantic ones. The Ace of Cups can also rule travel to realms that feel deeply magical and inspiring to you, places that unlock heady, positive new ways of thinking about or seeing the world. The Ace of Cups can also come your way when you get an opportunity to begin or join something that connects with all of your beauty receptors or touches a place very, very close to your heart. The radiance coming out of the hand, bearing the chalice, suggests that what you touch right now has a magic or holiness to it. Um, Enjoy this moment. All aces are simply the beginning of a new cycle, and all the cycles contain both the ups and downs, heartache as well as bliss. But right now, at the apex of something new, you're probably feeling pretty euphoric. Get into it. Cool. And, um, and And I tell you to get celestite. Get some celestite, you guys. That's my prescription. I'll figure out what that is. It's a really pretty, it's a really pretty, um, um, crystal. Yeah. So, uh, it'll give you angelic assistance. Who doesn't need that? Thank you. Thank you. All right. Who else wants to come up here? Okay, you in the white shirt who flung your hand up so enthusiastically. Okay. All right, you can either like tell me your what your question is, or you can whisper in my ear if you're feeling shy. Okay. okay. All right. This is really weird that I'm shuffling the cards and not you, but I'm gonna go with it because I just did it for Amanda, and so now I feel like I have to do it, and I think it's because um, it doesn't mean anything doesn't mean anything that that just happened you guys um it just means i drank way too much coffee before this reading that's literally all it means um normally in a reading i have the other person shuffle the cards but i guess i'm feeling controlling i don't know what it is i've been doing a lot of online readings every tuesday night on facebook and um i guess i'm just used to shuffling the cards for strangers right now okay All right, four of discs. I'm going to read the four of discs. And I hope this makes sense to you. Four of pentacles, just to keep it witchy. There's Amanda's thing. 
Um, stability is the name of the game with this card. Depicting in the, depicted in the Four of Pentacles is a person who prizes stability over everything else. And up until now, it has paid off literally. If their solid crown and rich robes don't, didn't tip you off to their material wealth, you can't miss the giant golden coins they're clutching. With one coin clamped under each foot, one held to their breast, and a fourth balanced on top of their crown like the cherry on a sundae, this person is making sure that nobody is taking off with their cash. There's just one problem. They're not taking off either. A beautiful town beckons in the background, but this figure is so dedicated to staying glommed onto their money that they can't make a move. When the Four of Cups pops up in your realm, it means scarcity issues are running the show. Sure, you should be prudent with your spending. Absolutely, you need order and structure to build a fine life. But these concepts have been blown out of proportion, and you're valuing them at the expense of other things. Joy, flexibility, risk, generosity. It doesn't matter how much or how I have lots to say about your particular thing with this but uh, I'm going to just read it because it's my book reading (laughs) it doesn't make sense okay yeah yeah cool cool Um, when I was flat broke broker than broke I feared something terrible would happen and I wouldn't have the funds to take care of it in my early 20s newly on my own with no safety net I feared homelessness when I started making some money I feared spending it surely extreme poverty was right around the corner I couldn't go and spend $40 on a skirt why I'd get used to wearing $40 skirts and then what would happen homelessness (laughs) now my family has more money than I've ever had and I still have occasional panic attacks checking out at Target. I can speak about this card from deep inside its fearful guts. You've got to loosen up. Whether you're on food stamps or managing a stock portfolio, the crux of Four of Pentacles is control. People on government assistance are afraid to get a job because they'll lose their paltry paycheck. People rolling in dough are afraid to make a charitable contribution because the feeling that their money is slipping away brings on survival terror. I've known or been these people. Holding on tighter doesn't solve the problem. You've got to do the opposite. Trust that the universe is taking care of you and relax your grip on what's yours. Buy yourself something a little splurgy or a lot. Give spare change to someone begging on the street or cut a check to an organization doing work you admire. Take your friends out to dinner. Buy the organic produce, the nice cheese, the top shelf whiskey. Money is a part of life and life is to be enjoyed. There are lean times and times of plenty and this card counsels being flexible as these times come and go, loosening your grip and always choosing to enjoy your life, maybe even helping others enjoy theirs a bit more. So... Take a ri- yeah, do the do the risky thing. Yeah, don't be definitely don't be cheap. Do the risky thing. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. You're welcome. Good luck. Cool. Does anyone else want a weird tarot reading up here? Come up here. Hi. You can either. I mean, it's very vul- you guys are being v- brave because even if you don't say your thing out loud, if I'm reading something, you're very brave. It's very vulnerable. So. Just, Congratulations being brave. Thanks. Yeah. I just graduated college and moved here like two weeks ago. Wow. <laughs> wow. Cool. Yeah. To like start a career. Uh huh. So just like new life thing. You're just like, yeah. so that you want, like, what does the tarot have to say about that? About In one card. Okay. Here. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're here and you're doing this. And you're trusting a stranger who drank too much coffee yeah. to I pick tarot cards for you. Okay, good, good. We're, like, feeling each other's energy here. Okay, great. This is a good place to move to. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, I think it really is. It's so scary, but it's so good. Where did you move here from? Baltimore, Maryland. Oh. Yeah, I got my diploma, and, like, four days later, I drove. <laughs> so. Cool. All right. You got a five. Oh. It's okay. It's okay. It really is. It really is. It's just, you know what it is? It's a lot of bullshit. That's what that card is. The five of wands is just like a lot of bullshit. Um, we're going to talk about it. Let me find it in here. 
I can't remember. I can't like like every other tarot book that I have at home. I can never remember where how they're ordered. And this is my own book, and I didn't fix that problem. Okay, the Five of Wands. The Five of Wands is a total pain in the ass card. Generally petty in nature, it signifies anything from a stupid day that can't end soon enough to being surrounded by people who have become so consumed by ridiculous bullshit that it's affecting everything around them, yourself included. This card also rules competition, but not in a heroic way. More like the soul deadening, annoying competition we experience in work and social circles. First, let me share with you the practically iconic Five of Wands day I experienced recently. The diner where we'd hoped to eat breakfast was closed because a driver had rammed their vehicle through the front door in the wee hours of the night. Poor me, right? Because it was raining, we chose to run errands in a horrible mall, but immediately felt spiritually poisoned by the environment. The things we had hoped to get weren't available. We followed, we allowed a fast-talking steam cleaner salesman to hijack us for 15 minutes. I attempted an intervention with a total stranger whose drug problem appeared to be compromising his parenting ability. Depressed, we decided to cheer ourselves up by visiting our favorite ramen house. It wasn't open. Later, when we were starving, my wife drove back to get food to go. It took 40 minutes, and as you can guess, they gave us the wrong order. None of this hurt my life at all. Even the serious problems I encountered, the diner, the parent, weren't actually my problems. But still, when the Five of Wands pops up, you can expect pretty much nothing to go right for you. You will be certain that Mercury is in retrograde, but it's not. It's okay. It's a five. Just the middle of your cycle. You know what I mean? It's not your whole life. Just the middle of it. You may think the universe itself is out to get you, but it's not so personal. To everyone, such shitty days must fall. At least they come to an end. The five of wands also represents groups of people who are incompatible, who cannot work together and allow themselves to be separated by the and, and allow themselves to be separated by the pettiest conflict. Make sure you are not participating in this dynamic. If you pull yourself out of it and work to become a peacemaker, you might be the big hero. At the very least, you won't gain a reputation as an idiot. If this card arrives, it may also mean that competition is getting you down. It isn't fun competition, and it's annoying and possibly soul-crushing, but you have to engage because something that matters is at stake. The key to getting through the Five of Wands problem is right there in the imagery of the card itself. Look at the fight depicted. It's play. These are children clad in the play clothes of their time. Get a sense of humor about your situation. Regarding your situation as a game might make its competitive aspect a bit more enjoyable. None of these conflicts are at all important, so try not to take them seriously. Even your crappy day might be the goddess playing a trick on you for good reason. Maybe she's bored and you're cheering her up. Show up with a smile on your face and lean heavily on your sense of humor. This card will pass before you know it. What did I say here? You need to have this. There's, this is a great moment to weigh yourself down with stones because you need some earth to ground the crazy, unfocused wands energy running amok in your world. As I traversed the mall from hell, I desperately clutched the one little crystal I had in my pocket, wishing I had ten more. Load every pocket you can with grounding stones. I have a friend who carries hers in her bra. If you wear such things, fill her up. If you can walk comfortably with a thin, with a thin crystal in your shoes, give it a try. As for the rest, dump them in your purse or man purse or duffel bag or whatever. If you don't have a ton of crystals, even some everyday rocks from your garden will work. They might not sparkle, but they are still sacred to earth energies and carry their own magic. Say a prayer to the universe before you head out the door. Keep my energy on the ground. Let laughter be my only sound. Aww. You'll get through it. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. It's like... It's... Yeah. It's like... And so you're in the middle of the shit show. Yeah. But it's, it's okay. It's like... Try to... It's kind of like... Imagine that you're in a movie... And you're the heroine of the movie. You're like, you're the wacky girl that just moved across country. And everyone's like in the audience watching you and just being like, this girl's so cool. I love this movie. And like, that's your life. That's what you should do. And then just like put lots of rocks in your pocket. But don't walk into the ocean. It's not that kind of a suggestion. Good luck to you. Yeah. Come on up, come up. 
even helpful? What is tarot? What is this bullshit? Okay. You look so familiar to me. Oh, it was good? Okay, good. So I was trying to like be a professional tarot reader, being profesh. Oh, my friend who carries crystals in her bra is here. Hey, let's give you a shout out. Did you catch that? <laughs> okay, um, do you want to share your issue or whisper? Okay. Uh, my question is, am I stuck? Ooh, stuck. Okay. Okay. It's like, is it like a big stuck? Or is it just like a like moment? A you know what I mean? Because you're, like, you're feeling something. So it's like, the question is like, is it just a little lull yeah. that will pass? Yeah. Or is it like... No, actually, no, I think it's actually big. I think it's a very big existential question. Okay. So... <laughs> Okay. Well, it sounds like you you feel like you are stuck. Yeah. So what? So what do you want the tarot to tell you if you already know you're stuck? Where do Where do I speak? How to unstuck? How to unstick the stuck? Okay. How to unstick the stuck? This is like turning into like a public I I know it feels really weird, right? You guys are amazing. I, this is the first, like, this is my first reading from this book. I don't know if I'll continue doing. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Is it entertaining? Should I keep doing this? Okay. Oh, hi. <laughs> okay. Ooh, King of Swords. Okay. King of Swords is fucking not stuck. You know, King of Swords is like, I'm not stuck. No way. Like they have a big sword in their hand to cut their way out. So that's great, because if that's your sort of guide, that is definitely a cool guide for a stuck person. Um, gosh, I didn't even know how... Oh, the court cards are at the back. That's how my book works, you guys. I'm glad I looked at it before I came to read from it. Okay. Um, all right, the King of Swords. Oh, my God, look at this person that Amanda drew. Who is this person? This person is so interesting. God, I just want this to be a real like tarot deck that I can shuffle. The King of Swords totally has a staring problem. Look at him looking right into your soul. If you think there's something judgy about him, you're right. He is sizing you up and his eye is as sharp as his double-edged sword. The King of Swords is a straight shooter, as stern and intimidating as he is. He is deeply ethical and very trustworthy. The plainness of his clothes indicates that he's not putting on airs and has no ulterior motives or hidden agendas. He is looking for the simplest piece of logic, the most economical collection of words, the most merciful yet ethical ruling. His golden crown is his only bling, and it's there to let you know that for all his simplicity, he's still a king. He rules, and he rules well. The crescent moon and the butterfly etched into his stone throne suggest that, although logic rules the day, he does allow mercy to influence his decisions. If the king of swords have popped up in your world, he might be an authority figure who is a traditionally masculine, sometimes even too macho man. On the good side, he is truly fair, works hard, wants to be in service to the greater good. On the downer side, expect some serious mansplaining. He has great at legal issues and leadership roles, and his grasp of language is incredible. He could be in a, pro a professor or a writer or both. If he's a friend, he's probably someone who inspires you, who perhaps you have a friendly rivalry with, who pushes you to be the smarter, a la Lenu and Lila, and Lila and Elena, um, Elena Ferrante's Napolitan, Napolitan? Neapolitan novels, which I was reading as I was writing this book and totally obsessed with. But this person can also be a know-it-all and isn't necessarily the best shoulder to cry on. They're not very connected with their emotions and are too focused on solving problems to hang out and share a cup of misery with you. If this person represents a love interest, you're probably feeling frustrated. I'm going to skip that part. 
because it's not what's going on for you. If you are the king of swords, your diplomatic skills, razor-sharp thinking, clear communication, and fairness are probably being requested by yourself. Perhaps someone is seeking your advice. Maybe you're being asked to take a leadership role. Of course you should say yes to all that is asked from you. Some people around you might be frustrated by your aloofness and your apparent lack of emotion in a situation. Depending on how important the person or event is to you, it might be worth your while to sit down and explain with your clear and marvelous linguistic skills that you do care. That's not quite right for you. I'm going to keep going. As a situation, the King of Swords represents a scenario where emotions just aren't welcome. Perhaps it's a sciencey scene or a traditionally male realm where emotions are seen as a sign of weakness. Bummer, but it's not necessarily a bad situation, just one whose code you need to adopt in order to join in and thrive. In spite of the coldness, it is not a hostile environment, just quite serious and intensely logical. If this suits your temperament or if you can assimilate into it, say yes as the situation will enable you to acquire and flex great skills and prepare you for further leadership down the way. I think, though, to just... I find court cards really tricky because they can mean so many different things. Um, I feel like you're being called to be the king of swords and just like slice yourself using cold, hard logic out of your stuckness. Like it might mean you have to go back on things that you promised. It might mean that like you have to do some major about faces and you can't in this situation allow your emotions to be what's leading you you just need to kind of look at it like a map or something and figure out like it doesn't matter if I made this promise like it's made me stuck I gotta get the fuck out of it and you just have to like be like cold and hard about it even if it's not necessarily how you like to roll that makes sense yeah alright yeah yeah okay you're welcome yeah come on up you're just running up here one more? Two more? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Do you want to share your your ish, oh, yeah. or you want to whisper um, your ish? Well, it's... I'm feeling myself becoming increasingly bitter, and I, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. It's not anything that I'm doing. Um, I worked for a long time to feel comfortable in my body and in my geography, and I feel like it's being taken away from me and I'm pissed about it Mm -hmm. so my question is why what what is it for like what what am I supposed to be learning what am I supposed to learn what's okay what's the okay (laughs) what does this mean for you right now what you're going through what is the larger energy around it that you should be looking towards okay Ace of Pentacles. Interesting. Aces are always good, I think. Um, I'm going to just read this to you. Um, And then see if there's anything I want to add about your particular situation. Um, Ace of Pentacles. You guys, we're living in a material world. As in, we are not ghosts. We are not made of ether. We may be having spiritual experiences, but we are having them in our bodies. We eat. We have sex, we poop, we create things using our hands, we use money or trade. When the Ace of Pentacles comes around, one of its messages is that we are embodied humans existing on a material plane. Enjoy it. There's no way of knowing how common or uncommon life on Earth is, but chances are that even if embodied life exists elsewhere, it probably isn't exactly like this place or the creatures exactly like us. This Ace offers this information 
as if a revelation. Allow it to strike you like a gong and fill you with the appropriate inspiration. If the Ace of Pentacles has come for you, it's time to treat your body. Have some orgasms, eat delicious foods, go swimming, climb some rocks, play sports, lie in the sun, get a massage, just feel yourself, literally. Smell flowers or perfume. Buy yourself something beautiful that really indulges your senses. Decide today is the day you're going to begin taking care of your body the way it deserves. Play with your crystals. Not in not in an I need this thing to heal me right now sort of a way, but like how any toddler plays with, or like how my toddler son plays with my crystals. Like they are delightful chunks of earth candy meant to be eaten by fairies. Just admiring and touching and whatnot. The Ace of Pentacles has additional promise. It often suggests an opportunity is being offered to you, something that will bear fruit at some point down the line. Big fruit, delicious fruit, big delicious fruit. I hope you are in a yes state of mind because the Ace of Pentacles, which holds within itself the complete the, the complete potential of the material world from utter wealth to total destitution wants to take you on a joy ride. There's bound to be some work involved, quite literally, as if... I'm sorry, I'm wearing like my contact lenses because I'm vain and <laughs> it makes me blind. Um, quite literally, as is likely, it's just a, it's a job-like opportunity and emotionally, if it's a romance or other personal connection. Um, but you'll be into the work. It will be rewarding and when it is taking... Uh, and where it is taking you will be apparent and deeply desirable. Say yes to your body. Say yes to the material plane. Say yes to life. And say yes to the Ace of Pentacles. Hmm. All right. Very interesting. Um, I don't know what more to add to that. Yeah, no, I didn't either until I got... No, no, it's like... Um, it's like you have to dig deeper into the positivity that you, when you were just talking about, when you came up here, when you were like, you work so hard for this shit, mm-hmm. it's like digging back into the joy of it, if okay. you can harness the joy of it, instead of the, the fight, which can sometimes, I mean, if it's all fight and no joy, I think it makes bitterness happen. Mm-hmm. So, like, indulge the joy of it somehow. Remember, like, what you're fighting for. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay, I can do one more. Okay, come up. Hi. Okay, you can whisper. such a it's like a simple yes or no question I love it okay <laughs> right yeah okay yeah okay cool hmm and good for you for doing that too like yeah do you like this you don't know what we're talking about <laughs> Interesting. Two of Pentacles. Juggler. Okay. There's like. Let me just see what I wrote. (laughs) Since that's the point here. Um, Pentacles. There they are. All right. 
Hey, thanks for making the Six of Pentacles like Marlena Dietrich in a top hat, BT Dubs. Like, really love that so much. Okay, Two of Pentacles. And this is a person in insane hats and, like, a Pharrell hat, like, (laughs) juggling. It's so great. Um, A toe-tapping figure in an eccentric chapeau definitely juggles a couple of pentacles, the symbol for infinity winding around and containing these motions. This is a great card. It pops up when you've got a lot going on and a lot of uncertainty, but you're handling it all with stunning aplomb and even enjoying the high-wire daring do of it all. Not only that, but you are managing all this intense activity while being totally unabashedly yourself. There are only... Twos are only the beginning, but with this card, you are setting up a dynamic of self-love and positivity that will take you far into the the future. I'm just going to say yes right now, just like to your question, like go, yes. The main point of the two of pentacles, like you've laid the base. Yeah, the two of, yeah, the main point of two of pentacles is flexibility. The more flexible this dancer can be, the more elegantly they can handle their pentacles. It's challenging, but deeply rewarding. Whatever you're working your butt off on right now should feel meaningful, even enjoyable to you. If it doesn't, ask yourself if it's the work, if it's the work that isn't moving you, or if it's the fast pace that is stressing you out. You will be able to adapt to the breakneck speed and multiple moving parts of the work, getting the hang of it, and even coming to enjoy your mastery of it. But if the work itself is a bummer, you're in for a rough ride, so get out now. So let that guide you too. The cartoony way the ships in the background are bouncing on the waves encourages you to cultivate a sense of humor about the inevitable ups and downs. The blue skies promise all is going well. The kooky hat the dancer wears is a mandate to be your weirdest, most authentic self. This is your life slash work slash project slash relationship slash vacation, etc. And it's up to you to give yourself permission to be thoroughly, totally yourself. If you're not, the situation stressors will get to you much more easily and your crucial sense of humor will be eroded. I relate to this card a ton. I'm always juggling a million projects as any working artist slash freelancer slash Aquarius often is. To some people, working like this sounds stressful, but I find it invigorating and inspiring. It keeps me busy and future-focused, like our dancing juggler. If I focus too hard on any one aspect and begin to fret about end results, I could throw myself off and drop the many balls I have in the air. But if I just focus on staying flexible, doing the next right thing, and maintaining my creativity, the mess of it all seems to come together like a mosaic. Yeah. Cool. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah. Hey, you guys. I'm done. I'm done. Thank you so much for coming and listening to me. I hope this was fun. Um, tarot, I mean, if, if, if I feel like you guys are all witchy people, but if you're not, like, tarot card is really easy and fun, and it won't tell you that you're going to die, and it's not the devil, and you can just read your cards, and, <laughs> and you can have a really good time. Um, please buy my book, because I want to keep writing, like, woo-woo witchy books, and if nobody buys my book, they won't let me. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Skylight. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.